we got our guy, and I could not be more thrilled. I'm truly blessed to be the next head football coach at Duke University. Now is the time uh, to jump on board, to come be part of this program. Uh, we'll make you proud, I promise. We'll get this thing where you guys want it to go, uh, to where that experience, when you do show up on Saturdays, is everything you hoped it would be, and, and it's a lot of fun being out there. It's been eight long months. Duke fans have been waiting anxiously for this week. We are finally here. Game one of the 2022 Duke football season. Hello, everyone. I'm your host for the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast, Brian Kennedy, alongside Josh Cox, Jamie Holt, and Scott Medlin. And as I said, fellas, I think since December 10th, we, along with every Duke football fan, have been anxiously waiting for this game, the first game, Temple, Friday night, 7.30, and let's just jump into it. What are your thoughts? I mean, I, I don't know about y'all, but I this is probably the most excited I have been in 10-plus years for Duke football to start. Bro, it's time, man. Someone asked me the other day, does it feel like uh, spring ball and, and fall camp has flown by? And I said, no. feels like Mike Elker's been here for five years already. Like, I'm ready for football to get started, man. I know these – Players are ready to hit other people. They've been hitting each other for like the last few weeks. I know they're ready to hit other people, man. I can't wait. I can't wait to see everybody at Wallace Wade Friday night. Like, I don't know, man. I'm so pumped. And I'm I'm yeah, this is it's finally here. Finally. What was the what was the how excited are you though, Josh? I mean, when's the last time you were this excited? Chick-fil-A bowl? The last time I was this excited was uh the last time I went to a Japanese steakhouse and had a bocce. <laughs> <laughs> did they, did they but, update their Google page? They, ah, they did. Okay. They did. But football-wise, uh, yeah, I would say, I mean, yeah, probably our last bowl win. Let's be, I, I'll be fair. Our last bowl win. I was about as excited. Who was that I against? Meant. You put me on the spot there. Our opponent this Friday night. Oh, Temple. that's right, Temple. There you go. Look at you, Brian. Look at you. Just, Look just at a foreshadowing of the tail of the tape. We're getting way ahead of ourselves. Yeah, Jamie. Yeah. Jamie is uh, actually in town this week for now. He might go to the beach and then come back by Friday night. I don't know. But, Jamie, how, how are you feeling as we head into Friday night? I am super excited. I'm actually staying home from the beach for this game. I'm not going to go to the beach until Saturday morning. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going gonna, gonna to go to the Temple game. Super excited. It's going to be like a, you know, family reunion. Everybody's going to be there. We're going to get to talk to bunch of people we haven't seen in months so it was great it's going to be great to be out there it's going to be great to go hang out with the hard hat guys a little bit before the game too unfortunately not tailgating yeah hey let's can we go ahead and just announce that real quick brian you we cool with this so we can tell you where we're going to be now brian may be getting there a little bit later than us and that's all good but uh we are going to be in lot b5 beginning at 3 30 we're going to be in lot b5 um, with the hard hat guys, but because of the time and the way the hard hat guys set up and tear down, we are not going to be doing food. And so uh, we will not be like tailgating with food. We'll be there from three 30 to five though, hanging out. We've got our shirts, our blue blue shirts that you can get from us there. Um, and then at five o'clock, we're going to head over towards the blue devil walk, um, and experience the first blue devil walk of the season, uh, from say five to five 30. And then we plan on just kind of staying over there. Cause right around Krzyzewskiville right there outside of Cameron, they're supposed to have all these things set up for like a new experience for the fans. So we'll stay out there until six. The gates open at six and you know where we're heading, baby. We're heading to the top row of section 17. So that's where we'll be if you need to find us. That's where we'll be. 
But Brian was asking Josh when the last time he was this excited about Duke football. So the last time for me being this excited, as excited as I, as I am for Duke football, was I was at the Boundary House in Calabash, and the honey and the honey butter croissants were coming out. Like that's the last time I've been this excited. What about fellas? Okay, enough with the food. What about <laughs> football excited? But in I all think- seriousness. And also, we should do a food spinoff podcast. I think it'd be. Oh my gosh! And all seriousness, it was a Chick Fil A bowl for me. Like that was, I was super. That's as excited as I've as I've been for a Duke football game. So, and this is you know being Elko's first game and everything. I'm super excited to see the changes and everything take place. Changes that we've already seen throughout the spring and the summer, but changes. For the game day too to see what happens with the blue devil walk and the blue devil alley over there the new stuff that josh mentioned so really looking forward to it i'm gonna be honest honest with you guys yes i'm gonna be honest with you at this point this is where if we had the ability to bring the rock on and say finally football has come back to durham north carolina Wallace Wade Outdoor Stadium, 7.30, Friday night, Duke Blue Devils, first game under Coach Elko against the Temple Owls. Now, how excited am I? I agree with Jamie. Just as excited as I was probably for the Chick-fil-A Bowl. But, guys, I think this is just – we've been waiting as long as we have. We're, I mean, the, the whole fan base is excited. We, we all know that. Um, I think the players are ready. Obviously, Coach Elko is ready. And as soon as they get ready to come out, if there was a roof on that building, it would come off. Yep. I think that's just how excited and every, everything, everybody in the stands is going to be excited, ready to go. And probably Coach Elko, as he runs out, will probably breathe a little bit of relief, like, now we can play football. At his presser today, he just said surreal. It's going to be surreal for him coming down that tunnel. Brian, what about you, bro? What about you? How you feeling, man? I got to be honest. Um, I haven't been this excited since 08. And that was when Cutcliffe came in. Just because of where we were at, we were in the dumpster and we knew Cutcliffe coming in was going to revive it. Now it took four years, but he got us back to the promised land. That was then, this is now. I feel like the excitement is 10 times that because of one, where Elko's coming from, but two, how much the administration and Nina King have invested to get the program back to where it was in the 2013-2014 season. We're not settling anymore for a few wins here and there every season, and I think that's what got has everyone motivated. And you can see it. We, we've seen it at fall ball. We've seen it at spring ball. The excitement of the coaches being willing, I guess, to talk to us, you know, as press when we're there. They're not really hush-hush, you know, not really going to say anything. But you can feel there's an electricity in the air. And we're hoping that come Friday night, it all just comes out against Temple and that we show that we belong. And, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic because, let's be real, it's one thing to put on the pads and go against your own team at practice. It's another thing to go against a completely different school who you have no idea what they're going to bring offensively, defensively. But with that being said, I have not been as excited for a Friday night football game probably since I you know, was doing sidelines uh, for radio for high school football. I just know that the electricity is going to be there. The students are going to be there. 
Uh, I don't know if fans saw it, but the football program has invested in the freshmen, the incoming freshmen. They all got their own personalized football jerseys with the number uh, 26, 26 on it. Yeah, that, that's the year they'll be graduating. And their names on the back. So just to sh- just something to throw out there to uh, Duke Marketing. You might want to do that for the fans. Just, yeah. just saying, if you can do it for the students, you know, offer it to the fans. But it is going to be a rocking time in Wallace Wade. I, I think it's just the beginning. And I, I think I speak for pretty much the entire fan base. We are ready for 7.30 to come Friday night. Well, so we're all excited. You guys can hear that. And we got a jam-packed episode um, ahead. We've got uh, a new uh, a new portion of our podcast that we're going to introduce tonight. We've got some old favorites from our podcast. But I think we'd be remiss uh, to not speak on the happenings of the last couple of days. We're recording this on Monday night. Uh, on Sunday morning, the news was released that Riley Leonard would, in fact, be our quarterback one. He won the job um, over Jordan Moore uh, here in fall camp. Um, and then also uh, earlier today, uh, the two deep official two deep was released. Uh, and so real quick, guys, let's let's not take too much time on this, probably. But like, uh, what are your thoughts real quick, I guess, on Riley uh, over Jordan and then anything specific on that two deep uh, that you'd like to discuss? Jamie. Yeah, as far as Riley is concerned, I, I, mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, but here I go. I'm going to toot my own horn back in the spring. I was sold on Riley, like, as soon as I saw him that first spring practice. But, you know, it was a competition, and Jordan and Riley both brought out the best in each other. And Riley has won out the competition. But the coaching staff, I trust this coaching staff to get Jordan more on the field. Um, That's what I'm looking for. And I think they will have creative ways to get Jordan the ball and get him on the field because – and ultimately in football, speed kills. And you do need Jordan Moore out there. Um, another thing that jumped out to me was the the cornerbacks, Pickett. You got down there P- Pickett or Chandler Rivers. Now, Coach Elko made the comment in the press conference today that we were at, Chandler Rivers is going to play, and he's going to be basically playing all over the field for him. So I just think he's he's that guy, and he's going to be out there. Another guy that jumps out that's pretty impressive, another true freshman, is VJ Anthony. I mean, he, that dude just looks impressive. Like, and I think that he's going to have a big year. I mean, there isn't too many things that jumped out to me. One other thing that I'll say that jumped out to me, Chance Lytle, our guy that does the opera singing, I did not realize how gigantic he is. I mean, he's six foot seven, three hundred and twenty-nine pounds. I mean, that's a that's a big, big right guard. I mean, so I think our offensive line is going to be a strength this year. And to win football games, you need to win in the trenches. So that's a definitely a big start. And we'll see what happens with our with our D line. I'm hoping our D line can be really good as well. Since since we go down the uh, the the foot the football slash wrestling uh whole to me reminds me of big john stud back in the day the whole look and everything sorry josh is just like whatever you guys are talking about i don't care right now duke fans and josh currently typing in big john stud in wikipedia that's right (laughs) but my my impressions though honestly um i think riley like coach elko said uh earned the position 
Uh, he wants to get Jordan Moore out there. I think that's a great a great thing for us, for Duke. Um, I think the only thing to me that was kind of uh, something unexpected, shall we say, was Jalen Coleman listed as the one running back. Now, like Coach Elko said today, all four of the guys are going to be rotating in and out, so it's really not that big of a deal. But, you know, the, the, if you want to say something that's surprising, that was surprising. Looking at all the names where they were and things like that, kind of guys we saw in the positions towards the end of the camp you know, as the, what we would call the ones. So, you know, really excited about the defense. Um, the cornerbacks, I think, are going to be solid, especially with the two older guys. And, you know, like Coach Oka talked about Tony Davis today, getting back and getting in. Josh Pickett had a good camp from what I remember seeing him a couple times. So, really excited about seeing these guys play. Again, Coach Elko said a couple weeks ago, the best 11 is what he's putting out there. And it doesn't matter who they are, what's their names, it doesn't matter. One thing that caught my eye, and we haven't really discussed this at all, we have a veteran crew. If you look at the depth chart, we only have five players who are either a freshman or sophomore. Everyone yeah. else is a junior or higher. Only only two true freshmen on, on the list. Yeah. Correct, correct. But what yeah. I'm saying is you got to think about it. We lost a lot last year in the secondary and that's what everyone's been focused on. But again, between the transfer portal and the experience we have on this team, I mean, we're not that young, which is a good thing for us. So I think we're going to catch a lot of people off guard with that. Again, not not many youngsters playing right now, which is fine. We can let some of our other uh, freshmen, sophomore, get some more work in on the field. But my only one shout out is this, and that's Vincent Anthony Jr. the third, as I like to call him. True freshman out of Jordan High School, local product. He's getting the start, uh, probably opposite of Dwayne Carter. Y'all help me out here. I'm not. I'm not good Open. with football schemes. Well, no, Open. no. Dwayne will be on the interior. He'll be opposite of uh, of RJ. RJ. Yeah, sorry, I was never a football player. Y'all, y'all know good. it better than me. So, but he is just impressed in spring mm -hmm. and fall ball, and he deserves that spot. So, kudos to Vincent. Yeah, I, I would say. Um, go ahead, Jamie. I have just one more thing. Um, I was noticing, just talking back about the secondary, I was noticing the height of our secondary. Like, we got some tall, tall guys in the secondary, which is which is a great thing. I mean, you got six foot, six two, six two. Uh, I think five eights are our shortest guy. They got a six one, six foot. Like, we got some height in the secondary, so that's a that's a great thing. And speaking to Brian when he was talking about the experience, uh, I think I saw it on ACC Network. When they were uh, doing the the show from the Duke camp that night, <clears throat> that they said that I think Duke is, I can't remember. It was at least top three in the ACC as far as experienced players returning this year. Yeah, and that's a good thing, uh, I guess. <laughs> um, in a way, hopefully these uh, the experienced players under a new coaching uh, you know team there. Um, are going to or put some things on the field that we haven't seen in a couple of years. But my two things, um, I believe the receivers, there's a lot of oars there, but I want to give a shout-out to Samir Hagans, who I believe had a really good fall camp and worked his way into that uh, top tier. I do think this. I think that a lot of the oars, I think there are eight or nine oars um, on this too deep. I believe it's because, uh, as as one of the the questions were at, was asked today in his presser, We've not seen any of these guys play against opponents yet. And, like, 
listen, so-and-so could look really good in, in practice. They may get up there on the field and crap the bed. And so at the end of the day, yeah, I think Coach Elker is definitely leaving that open. Like, listen, I, I've put guys in here, but like, like you haven't, you have not like solidified your spot per se. Like, this is what we're going to do for week one. And the other thing I think about the running back room, uh, Jamie, that you mentioned, it, it's not the big surprise to me about Jalen Coleman because you know, as we all know, I picked him to lead us in rushing this year. Um, I want my steak medium rare. But the the interesting thing to me is they had to put them in some sort of order, right? I mean, if they're if they're all four equal, and the fact that Jordan Waters was listed third was a little surprising to me. I really thought it was going to be Coleman Waters, and then it was going to be more more. And so uh, Jacquez Moore is listed second on that. Once again, I know what we're t- I, I believe everything we're saying about it being a running back by committee. I just thought it was interesting, and maybe it was maybe them sending a message to Jordan. I don't know if there's been something you know going on last couple of days in practice that we've not been to. Um, but I don't know. I thought that was just a little interesting, but that's it. All it all it takes is one breakout game for these guys to move them up or down the depth chart. I mean, I just see this as a list they wanted to get out to the press, get out to the public so they could see, because we keep saying it, we're going to keep saying it. It's going to be a running back by committee. I mean, Jalen could have a good game one one week, and then Jacquez could have a good game the next week. We We don't know. We don't know what we're going to see. Um, we we just don't know. And that's the beauty of it. And, and what to, I guess, uh, follow up on what you were saying, Josh, I love the or part because let's be real. There are some college coaches who promise positions to players. And then when the player doesn't play like they should, it's yeah. kind of hard for that coach to remove them because they've already promised that spot. By by saying we or, saw it, we saw it at Duke since two thousand eight. Let's be real. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah I it happened a lot. It, I mean, but again, it happens across the country. Yep. By saying yep. or, it's hey, you're number one for now. If you don't produce like we want you to produce, you're going to be number two very quickly, and you're going to be on the sidelines. Absolutely. Well, listen, uh, that's our thoughts on the two deep guys. If you have any questions, you've already been hitting us up on Twitter at Duke FB Talk. You can hit us up. Uh, there, ask us any questions you want to about the two deep. We'll do our best to answer. Um, and like I said, this is always going to shake out in the wash. Um, but as we did last uh, year, we're going to do again this year. Uh, and that is uh, getting involved with our opponents and talking to their play-by-play guy. And so this week, uh, Brian was able to sit down uh, with the voice of the Temple Owls, uh, Kevin Kopp. And so let's hear what Kevin has to say about this Temple team that we'll be facing this Friday. Joined now by Kevin Kopp, play-by-play announcer of the Temple Owls on the Temple Sports Network on Learfield Sports. Kevin will be on the call for this Friday night season opener against Duke at Wallace Wade Stadium. And Kevin, thank you for joining us for the first, I guess, season episode of the Section 17 podcast. Happy to be here. Thank you guys so much. I'm just glad it's football season again. I think we can all collectively say we agree with you on that one. What's the excitement level for the Temple fan base heading into Friday night's game with a new coaching staff in place? It is, it's enormously different. And obviously it's been a, a tough couple of years. You know, the, the COVID year, particularly here in Philadelphia was really tough. I think it's, it's fair to say that being in the city of Philadelphia within Pennsylvania, you know, this program dealt with more restrictions than many across the country. It wasn't until very far into the season that they were even able to have the offense and the defense on the same practice field at the same time. And so they only got seven games in that year. They only won one of them. And I think that really threw sideways a lot of the momentum that this program had built, you know, through some coaching changes, 
um, you know, coming off of those back-to-back 10-win seasons back in 15 and 16. And then you, you kind of got to a point where all of that residual men- momentum was kind of gone. And they had a really tough year last year. And as you alluded to, coaching change, Stan Drayton coming in. And, and you know, he's just one of those guys. I don't want to make it as simple as saying that he won the press conference. But when he was introduced, there really was a genuineness about him that I think Temple fans really responded to, you know, Philly sports fans love to be underdogs. They love to be blue collar. They like their, their kind of working class mentality. And I think uh, Stan really tapped into that. Um, And just every interaction that I've had with him, every public interaction, public appearance that he's had in the spring, summer, you just come away feeling like Temple fans are, are really excited. Um, now, I don't think anyone knows how that's going to translate yet to, to what the product looks like on the field. I'm sure we'll dig in on that. But you, you just from a, a vibe feeling standpoint, it really is a hugely different offseason that we've had here in a couple of years, which which is very exciting. And again, Stan Drayton was named Temple's new head coach back on December 15th, around the same time Coach Mike Elko was named Duke's football coach. And you kind of alluded to it, but I'm still going to ask it. What was it about Coach Drayton that made him the best option for being Temple's next head coach? Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting. I think you look at when you're in at this level, right, which is just outside the Power Five. I think the American Athletic Conference has clearly established itself as the sixth best conference in the country. And, and you know, for better and worse, there have been a lot of stories of the successful coaches in this conference going on to, to high power five opportunities. I mean, Matt rule, former temple coaches now in the NFL. So you can kind of look at this as almost like the triple a baseball equivalent of, of FBS football. And so when you're in this position, I think you kind of go one of two ways, which is a, a lower level head coach, someone with head coaching experience um, that may now be at a, you know, or you look at your, your power five coordinator level um, roles. And so it was really interesting to see uh, that they got a coach in Stan Drayton without either of those uh, traditional profiles. He was a, he was the associate head coach um, in a, you know, a title standpoint at Texas, but he was a position coach. He's a running backs coach. Uh, he has not been a coordinator. He's not been a head coach at any level before, but you talk about a guy that just, again, clearly is aware of what the task entails is, is at least as far as anyone can tell is up for that task. And, and, um, you know, comes from a great pedigree at Texas, at Ohio State, at Florida. He's won a couple national championships as a position coach. And again, has just kind of said the right things and clearly has the buy-in of the the team as well. Um, you can just tell even from, from being there at, you know, at practice and kind of seeing the way the guys respond that they really have taken to him instantly. There were a couple guys that, you know, as, as we're looking at the depth chart here, you know, guys that were kind of on the outs or had kind of faded from view over the last couple of years are now back in the fold, are kind of, they're on the two deep again. And, and just again, the the attitude and the energy um, that, that you're seeing coming out of practice, I think is very encouraging for at least the bond that he's been able to develop with uh, with this team. Sounds like you've been coming to Duke practices too, because we feel the same way. There were some guys <laughs> yeah. that fell out of uh, the good graces, good graces of the old coaching staff. Coach Elko and his crew came in. Now they're back in the good graces. So it, it should be an exciting game. And we'll transition right now. Let's look ahead. Friday night, 7.30 kickoff on the ACC Network. And, you know, we, we got to have a little fun on the Section 17 podcast with you, Kevin. So we figured we'd have a little fun and uh, play fill in the blank with you. Are you All up right. For it? All right. Sounds dangerous, but let's do it. All right. It's only four or five, so I, I, we'll take it easy on you. All right. First All right. one. An area this Temple team will excel at on the field Friday night is? Uh, I would say work rate. I think you're going to get a good effort. 
I think particularly on the defensive side of the ball, it's a little easier to translate, right? You know, I am, I would have my questions on, on the offensive side, just how that's all going to click. There's a lot of new faces and new names, but I think in terms of effort and work rate, that's kind of the temple hallmark, uh, particularly on the defensive line. I feel like that's what you're going to see. Okay. Duke fans need to watch out for blank on Temple's team Friday night. That's a good question. I'm going to, I will, uh, I'll flip it around since I just talked about defense. I'll say they need to to watch Dewan Mathis. Uh, he is the uh, the starting quarterback and he is kind of the, the, the embodiment of what we just talked about, right? A guy that had kind of lost his way under the previous staff. Uh, but has really worked his way back into that that QB1 role. He's a dual-threat quarterback. I think he was a little too quick to run last year. I think they've worked with him on his confidence as a pocket passer. I mean, this guy was good enough to be named the number one starter at Georgia just a couple years ago, so he's got the the, the raw talent there. I think Kirby Smart and his staff know what they're doing in, in talent evaluation, and so if he can put it together, I would say he's the single most dangerous player on the field for Temple. Yeah, and we, we were uh, taking some notes on him as well as it was – announced he was going to be the starter. So it's going to be interesting to see how he plays on Friday night. Temple will win their opener against Duke if? If they can control the clock. Uh, I think they want to shorten the game. I think that's what you want to do, right? As an underdog, you're on the road, uh, you know, in an ACC opponent that I know Temple takes very, very seriously. They've got to control the clock. They've got to shorten the game. Uh, and obviously that comes down to the running game. I do think, however, to be fair, that is the biggest question mark. I think that never got going for Temple last year. They were last in the American Athletic Conference rushing offense. Uh, they do have a couple of power five transfers at running back, Darvon Hubbard and Jakari Norwood. We don't know a lot about them. Um, in the depth chart that was released, Edward Sadie, who was last year's number one running back, is there again. That was the area that I think gave Temple fits last year, and, and that would be something that they, they would need to figure out to, to win this game. Okay, 10,000-foot view looking at Temple season as a whole. Temple will have a successful season in Coach Drayton's first year if? Who? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use uh, Coach Drayton's coach speak from his press conference today since I'm, I'm speaking to you right after that. His take on this was if they grow. Right. That's a nice, vague. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice, vague. Standard. Are, are you on the coaching staff? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I, uh, I, I uh, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid here. I mean, I think you look at, th you know, three wins last year. I think it would be a little much to say, hey, this year to be successful, they've got to get to a bowl game that might be setting the bar a little high. I don't think it's impossible, but I don't think that's the only metric of success. I think you can look at a, you know, a four and eight or a five and seven season and see some growth. They've just got to be in games. I think that was the issue last year, more than the win-loss record. I mean, 52 to three against Cincinnati, 49 to 10 against East Carolina. There is some games where you really felt it get away. I think that a lot of fans, you know, I don't want to say that anyone's going to be happy to go down to Duke and come away with a loss, but I think a competitive game where Temple keeps it close and puts a little scare uh, in Duke for, for, for a while, I think that would be, would go a long way. And again, uh, could be a very good game Friday night in Wallace Wade. Kevin, I appreciate your time. Got one more for you. All it's right. a bonus fill in the blank. Has nothing to do with football. We asked this last year with everyone that we've spoken with and seeing as Temple is a new opponent on the schedule for Duke, we've got to ask you this. If the Section 17 crew were ever to be in Philadelphia for a game, the one place we would have to eat at is? All right, this one's easy. John's Roast Pork. Okay. So I'm taking you to the best cheesesteak in Philly. You can get a roast pork there, but 
best cheesesteak in Philly is at John's Roast Pork. It's on Snyder Avenue. It's right down in South Philly by the stadiums. Skip Pat's, skip Geno's, skip Jim's, skip all the big name places. I promise you this has been, you know, I don't look it, but I promise I've sampled my way around Philadelphia. And I can I can tell you conclusively that's the best place to come get a cheesesteak. And uh, I would I would be happy and honored to take you guys there. So you give me a shout next time you're in Philly. Well, if uh, Temple returns the favor and has Duke back up there for a rematch, win, lose, or draw, we'll certainly uh, reach out to you and try to make that happen. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today on the Section 17 podcast. Good luck with the game this Friday night and the rest of the Owls season. Thanks so much. Can't wait to get down there. Thank you, Brian, for taking the time to sit down with Kevin Kopp. Thank you, Kevin, uh, for giving us some information um, there about this Temple football team. And speaking of this Temple football team, guys, we do need to discuss a little bit. I know we don't necessarily have uh, a tons of knowledge. Brand new head coach, a lot of things going on there, uh, similar to Duke in a way. Um, but I think, you know, we've looked at some of the things uh, with Temple's program. Uh, what are you guys seeing about Temple? And like I said, we're not going to take a ton of time here, but what are you guys seeing um, as things we may need to look look for uh, this Friday night? There's experience. They have a lot of transfers. Oh my uh, goodness! Yes. How many? Y'all y'all said it earlier. How many transfers do they have? Like seventeen. Too, or too many to count. Yeah, it was yeah. a bunch. I, I mean, we we got the uh, what did we get the the media guide, I believe, with all the player breakdowns, and there were just so many school logos. It was more than I wanted to count. It's crazy. They brought in a ton of transfers for their team. The one thing that jumped off the page for me for Temple was the fact that their their defense really fought the good fight last year. I mean, they were behind the eight ball a lot because their offense was, let's say it was really, really bad, which we saw a really, really bad, bad offense last year too. Uh, but their, their defense, I want to think that I saw their pass defense actually, I was reading was like top five in the country. So I mean they they really they really played really well throughout the year, even though I mean even though you're you were looking at a three win team, their defense kind of jumps off the page at you, like maybe they could they could give us a little bit of problems Friday night. Well, I think what go ahead, Brian. No, I was just saying with my interview with uh, Kevin when we were talking, it just seemed like Temple and Duke last year were were mirror images of each other. He he mentioned a couple of games to where it just got out of hand very quickly. A lot of a lot happened with Duke in in the same way last year. Uh, you know, Kevin said that their defense was the one that shined the most, and that's what they're going to fall back on. Offense is still the big question mark for them, so it's going to be really interesting to see how they line up against Duke's offense and what Kevin Johns is going to throw up against the Owls. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, there are two players. Uh, that stood out to me. Number one was their quarterback, Dewan Mathis. And um, he's got an interesting journey. I mean, I believe uh, I'm, I'm doing this off the top of my head, but I believe he, he committed back in the day to Iowa State and he decommitted and he wound up at Michigan State uh, committed and he decommitted and then he committed to Ohio State and then decommitted and then he committed to Georgia and showed up on campus for a year at Georgia and then transferred to Temple. But he is a former really high four-star uh, quarterback who obviously got looks from the elite programs um, in the country. And so I just think that's something we have to keep our eyes on, even though he didn't have a good season last year. 
uh, something we have to keep our eyes on. And then uh, a wide wide receiver, uh, I mean, I don't I want to call him a Don because I, I can't I don't know how to pronounce his first name, but Sanders uh, transferred from Georgia Tech. Duke fans, all I'm going to tell you is this: if you remember the play that beat us last year down the middle of the field at Wallace Wade, he was the receiver. In fact, someone pointed out that I believe roughly 50% of his career numbers have come against Duke. His yardage, his touchdowns, roughly 50% of all of his productivity in his career has come against Duke. And so I think Duke needs to be uh, aware of both of those players, Sanders at wideout, Mathis at quarterback. Mathis has some wheels if he gets out. Uh, he could run, and we know, you know that can be a difficult thing sometimes for defenses. Jamie? I just wanted to say um, I had the same kind of struggles that Mathis had coming out of high school. I had all these offers. You know, I committed, right. decommitted. Then I, I ended up committing to Lawson Street University over there at Durham Tech. So I, I thought you say you were going to say you finally committed to the beach. I mean, at the end of the day, that's where you that's where you wound up committing. But uh Anyway, well, listen, I, once again, we appreciate Kevin Cop giving us some inside information as well. And so that's what some things to look forward to. We're, gonna, we're not going to act like we're experts on Temple football, uh, but we do want to throw some things out there. But this is a brand new segment that we'd like to introduce to you. So each week, um, our idea for this segment is that we would like to go back in Duke football history. Uh, and what happened during this week in Duke football history, usually it's going to be one main thing that happened in Duke football history that we want to highlight. And it'll take some of you that are old school Duke football fans maybe down memory lane. Maybe some of them that we talk about were before anybody was alive. Uh, Duke football history goes way back. And so uh, we're looking forward to this segment. Brian. Jack Wallabaugh was a part of all these moments. I just want to say whether it was 1945 or 2018. Well, yeah, Jack Wallabaugh, Kelby Brown. I mean, there's been a couple of those guys that were here for six, seven, <laughs> 17 years or so. I think Jack say. helped Bill Wallace Wade. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. But without further ado, Scott introduce us to a brand new segment on the section 17 podcast this week in duke football history so this week in duke football history is going to go a long ways back almost 365 days to september the 3rd 2021 where friend of the podcast senior running back mateo durant would set a new school record for most rushing yards in a game playing against in-state opponent charlotte durant rushed for 255 yards and three touchdowns he also broke nearly seven the seven-year record that was previously set by Sean Wilson, who rushed for 245 yards against Kansas in 2015. Durant would also break another record for the most rushing yards in a quarter, 130. Unfortunately, that was one of the few highlights of the game for the Blue Devils, as Duke would end up falling to the 49ers there 31-26 last year. And, yeah. so What's that saying? It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Just want to say, if Mateo's listening, thanks for the support, Mateo. <laughs> what a game, right? I mean, Mateo had a heck of a game. They literally could not stop him. And equally, we could not stop them. And, uh, wow, what a game. I remember, not only do I remember very vividly that game, but that Sean Wilson game against Kansas, he went absolutely berserk in that game as well. And so that has been your first uh, on this podcast, this week in Duke football history. Scott, thank you so much. One of the really cool things we did last year that we're bringing back this year is our tell of the tape. And if you remember last year, we would introduce every week the tell of the tape. I would say this, and now it's time 
for the not yet sponsored tell the tape and brian will come on and do his tell the tape well listen we got some incredible news for you we no longer can say not yet sponsored we want to thank our friends at comfort mechanical contractors for coming on board this year um, and sponsoring the tail of the tape. Let's hear a word from our sponsor. Comfort Mechanical Contractors is the largest locally owned and operated commercial contractor in Durham and has been serving the Triangle since 1955. Comfort offers full service commercial heating and air organization and performs install work for new construction and commercial renovation. With their full fleet of service vehicles at the ready, Comfort Mechanical Contractors is equipped to handle service calls as well as install building automation and control systems. For more information, give Comfort Mechanical Contractors a call at 919 919- That number again, 919-383-2502. Comfort Mechanical Contractors, the premier commercial heating and air service contractor of the Triangle. Our thanks again to Comfort Mechanical Contractors, and now it's time for this week's Tell of the Take, the Temple Owls out of the AAC. Last year, Temple went 3-9 and did not play in a bowl game. And head coach Stan Drayton, who we discussed with Kevin Kopp earlier, is in his first season as Temple's head coach. This is Drayton's first college football head coaching job. Before taking the Temple head coaching job, Drayton had assistant roles with Texas, the Chicago Bears, Ohio State, Florida, Syracuse, and Tennessee. So he's been around the block a time or two. This is the second overall matchup between Duke and Temple. Fellas, I'm going to ask you, do you remember what we talked about earlier? When was the first matchup between Duke and Temple? The final game for Daniel Jones. Thank you, Scott. It was the TGA Roming game, the 2018 Independence Bowl, where Duke won handily 56-27. In that game, TJ Roming went for 12 receptions for 240 yards and two touches, and Danny Dimes was 30 for 41 with 423 passing yards and five touchdowns. I didn't shake his hand before that game. Now, after this year's matchup, the two schools will not play again for the foreseeable future. So if you're a Temple fan, you want to get down and watch the Blue Devils, Friday night is the night. Now, a little mini did you know, fellas. Mike Elko was a front runner for the Temple job back in 2018 after Jeff Collins left Temple for the Georgia Tech job. Elko decided to go to Texas A&M instead to be their defensive coordinator. My, how things would have changed had Elko changed his mind. But now it's time for the big did you know. Temple University's history began in 1884 when a young working man asked Baptist pastor Russell Conwell if he could tutor him at night. Conwell quickly said yes to the young man and it wasn't long before he was teaching several dozen students working people who could only attend class at night, but had a strong desire to make something of themselves. Years later, to honor Temple's beginning as a night school, the Nocturnal Owl was adopted as its mascot. The name of the mascot, Hooter the Owl, is the mascot for both basketball and football games and is honored each February when mascots from all over the city of Philadelphia come to Temple to celebrate Hoot Hoot's birthday. And that was the tale of the tape for Temple, brought to you by our sponsor, Comfort Mechanical Contractors. The, the owls, the owls, they're, they're gorgeous. They're beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Man. Thank God they didn't go a different route to name the owl that. Hooter the owl. Who would have? Who would have figured? Uh, Hooter's restaurant is missing a prime opportunity oh. for sponsorship. I'm smelling nil deal up north. Oh no question, man. No question. Well, uh, I'll, Hooter the owl. I'm assuming will be at the game uh, Friday night, and so, man. Uh, that was a great welcome back to the tell of the tape. What a great way to end it, you know? <laughs> couldn't couldn't think of a better way to start the season off. Listen, Brian, you went from well, you went from Baptist pastor to Hooter the Owl in like thirty seconds. Oh, so I can like, go. I can go from G to M A very yeah, quickly. Yeah, very Those quickly. Of you who know me, I I can definitely do a swerve job. And they have no really good chicken wings. <laughs> yes, you know. <laughs> We're you know. getting we are getting sidetracked. Yep, yep. Speaking of food, but no. So that was the. Tell the tape that was sponsored by our friends at Comfort Mechanical Contractors. And so we want to thank them for being on board with us uh, for this season. Um, well, guys, it's that time. All right, it's that time. Uh, we are going to give not only our predictions of the score of the game, but we are also going to give our predictions of the jersey combo of what we think it's going to be. Um, man, I, I think I think we. it's going to be interesting to see what the numbers we have for this game. Uh, but who wants to go first? Who wants to jump in? Give us your prediction, not only of the game score, but also of the uniform combo. Well, well I'll be I'll be the gentleman of the group and give you all some stats so you all can think about your score prediction. Over under for Friday night's game is 51 and a half points. Duke is currently a seven point favorite. They have not changed that spread. Maybe me and Scott were talking earlier. We thought maybe the spread would change with Duke announcing the two deep. Has not happened yet, but it could change in the coming days. And, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. So, while I'm talking, I'll just go first. This is one of my wins I predicted in our predictions episode. I think Duke is all around the better team, both offensively and defensively. I think we might come out of the gates a little slow. New system for these guys, learning some, some basics, getting things down. But I'm going to go Duke 28 I was going to say 21, but 28, Temple, 17. Duke, 28, Temple, 17. Do you want to do jerseys as well? Or we'll... Yeah, let's knock it okay. out. Let's knock it out with the jerseys. So, so I think the ground screw at Duke is messing with me because Coach Elko posted a photo of the field. It was all white. I didn't see a shade of blue. Part of me is thinking icy whites, but Josh made a good point before we started the recording. Home teams usually do not do white jerseys anymore. But I still think white's going to be in there somewhere. We're going to go white helmet with the Hellraiser. Blue top. Mm, blue bottom. I was going to say white bottom. I was going to go white, blue, white, but I think it's going to go white, blue, blue. Right, white white Hellraiser. White Hellraiser, blue top, blue bottom. Who's next? I'll, I'll go next. Um, I was kind of iffy on the score. Um, I'm I'm thinking it's going to be a close game, at least through the first half. And then I think in the second half we might see Duke pull away. Um, I'm going to go Duke 31, Temple 17. I still think Temple is just – I look back at last year, I think Temple's going to struggle to score. I think Duke will be able to score. Uh, with Kevin Johns running the offense, uh, 31-17. And for the uniforms, you know, I'm going to go offbeat here. I'm just going to go icy whites. Like, I know the home team traditionally 
where's the colors, but I'm going to go icy whites with the blue D on the, on the helmet. Is that Elko making a statement you think? Maybe, <laughs> maybe, I mean, maybe come out with a flashy, flashy uniform on the, uh, on the first game on Friday night, you, you know, national television. Yeah. Well, and, and the podcast smart ass Peter Dodge, he tweeted me and said that he's expecting a new Jersey to come out. And I told him if that ever happens or if it happens Friday night, I'm going to scream like a little schoolgirl. I mean that we haven't done that in a long time, but so, so just for preface, me and Jamie are both taking the under. We don't think it's going to be 51 and a half points. It's going to be less than that. Who's next. I'll go ahead and go next here. So um, it, I, I'm with you guys. If we were to bring out a different uniform, I would be very excited. I don't see it. I mean, you talk about a best-kept secret. That would be one of the best-kept secrets out there. Now, could it happen? Yes. We've seen a lot of things happen that would be different. Um, as far as the game, I've had in my head the whole time, before I ever saw the over-under, before I ever saw the, the line, uh, is I've got 34-17, which would be the under. Um, as long as we cover that seven, that's the most exciting thing. And to be honest with you, I do believe, just a little tidbit here, I do believe it's going to be like 27-17 and we may get a late turnover for a score. As far as uniforms, um, I like the white helmet. My mind is everywhere it could possibly be, but I'm going to go with the blue D. I do like the blue, the blue jersey. And I'm going with the icy white pants. So you're going with my original pick. Smart, smart man, smart man for sure. Josh, close us out with the predictions. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna say Duke is gonna win. I'm gonna go 40, 41, uh, 41 to 30. All right, 41 to 30. Kind of an odd uh number there, but we'll 41 to 30. And my my reason is is because I believe our offensive line is going to open up holes, and I believe our running backs are going to have a good night. That's just my my opinion. Like we mentioned earlier, they were pretty good in pass defense, um, and so I could just see that happening. I could see us opening up the field for Riley, and that's really what we want to see. So I'm going 41-34. Uh, for helmets, okay, I am – all right, they teased us with the white face masks. So I'm going that. I'm going the white helmet with the white face mask. And I know we're not doing face masks, but like they're going to go with that icy white look. And just, and I will just say this from what we've heard from inside, uh, from a couple of people that, that Elko does like the Hellraiser. Like he really likes the Hellraiser. So I'm going to go with the white, icy white helmet with the Hellraiser. And then I will go blue tops. White pants. That's different than you, Scott, right? You went the D? Yeah, the, the, D? the only difference is the helmet. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go white, Hellraiser, blue, white. So that's going to be my prediction. But here's the cool thing about this, guys. What we say, that's one thing. We want to hear from the listeners, right? We want to hear from the listeners. And so we want to hear your prediction, your score prediction. And here's what we're doing this year. Uh, if you are on Twitter and you reply to our tweet that we'll send out tomorrow, Asking for your score prediction, uh, who wins and what the score is going to be. Uh, if you win that, if you get closest to that, uh, we are going to give you, that's right, we're going to give you 
uh, one of our bleed blue t-shirts from section 17 podcast. And so uh, if you have one already, it'll be a second one for you. Maybe you can give one uh, to a friend or family member, uh, but we will give you a free bleed blue t-shirt. That also is for our friends on Facebook. We will do the same thing in our Facebook group. So each week we'll give away two uh, winners and we're really excited this year um, to do that. And so make sure that you reply to that tweet. Make sure you comment on that Facebook thread in our group, uh, which by the way, you can find on Facebook just by searching Duke football talk. You can find our group. You, Brian. you cannot win both. You cannot win Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. yeah. You win Twitter. That means you're out of the running for Facebook or vice versa. But uh, going back to the jerseys really quick, I believe they will be revealing it sometime tomorrow or Wednesday at the latest from what uh, Josh and Jamie heard at uh, Media Day today. I think they're videoing the reveal tomorrow, and then it'll probably be Thursday, I think. Wednesday or Thursday would be my guess, yeah. Well, you know I'll be uh, tweeting Duke football equipment and Duke football until the uh, jerseys get revealed. I think we're all anxiously waiting to see what the threads are going to look like. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, guys, this has been a good episode. I want to mention one more thing. We did our season uh, stat preview um, in our previous episode. Uh, We've had several of you that have filled out the form, letting us know your picks for stat leaders, uh, for overall record and things like that. Um, We will tweet that out again a couple of times this week. But the winner of that at the end of the year gets 50 bucks, man. That's pretty incredible. We'll get you a $50 uh, gift card. And so we're looking forward to that. You'll see that both again on Facebook. And again on Twitter between now and game time, but you have to get it in by kickoff on Friday night in order for it to count uh, for the season. So we want to give you $50, all right, 50 bucks, but you got to fill that out. Tell us who's going to win on stats. And we're going to keep at the end of the year, we're going to tally up all the points and we'll let you know um, who wins that. Well, listen, we want to see you this Friday night. Listen, we, we, if you guys can't tell, we are 110% invested in this Duke football program. We absolutely love where Mike Elko is taking this team. We love what the coaching staff is doing. Um, and we want to see you out there. So if you're still on the fence for Friday night, get you a, get a ticket. Uh, you can go to goto.com. You can call the ticket office, speak to Christina. You can do whatever you need to do. You can find them on the secondary market. Uh, but we want to see you this Friday night. Remember, we're going to be at the B5 lot at 3.30. We're going to be at 5 o'clock at the Blue Devil Walk. We're going to hang out around Krzyzewskiville until 6. And at 6 o'clock, we will be in the top row of Section 17. We want to see you there. Come sit with us. Come hang out with us. If you've never introduced yourself uh, to us, we would love to meet you. Uh, Let us know you listen to the podcast. We'd love to hang out uh, and get to know you. Uh, But we cannot wait for the beginning of the 2022 Duke football season. So, Brian, anything else before you take us out of here, man? I mean, you just gave us all another one of your sermons and didn't Let's realize go. it. <laughs> Let's go. Scott, Jamie, how about y'all? Any final thoughts before we close shop? I would say that when we get ready to come out on the field and get ready to start kickoff, for some of the older folks, I feel like a lot of us are going to be screaming like teenage girls at, at the first Elvis concert. Dang, an Elvis reference. Scott, Scott's showing his age right there. Yeah. All we got to say is go do Beat Temple. There you go. That's all you can really say. And I think, guys, you've you've said everything for Duke fans. And what better way to end our episode? And, again, we're looking forward to 7.30 Friday night against the Temple Owls. We hope to see as many of you there as possible. But, again, that'll do it for this episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. For Josh Cox, Jamie Holt, Scott Medlin, producer Justin Sykes, I'm Brian Kennedy. 
And this has been the Duke Football Talk Section 17 Podcast.